Hey everyone, it's Nikki and you're listening to Mom and Teen Real Talk. We are watching Ginny and Georgia, season one, episode three and four. So sit back, enjoy the episode and start talking. Welcome everybody. Here we are, Mom and Teen Real Talk. So back to Ginny and Georgia, despite me like my stomach turning at this this show. We're here for a good discussion. So if you love the show, we have your opinion represented and like enjoying the show. And if you're kind of wondering if you're not really sure if you like this show or thinking about the messages in the show, that we'll also discuss that. We've got two different perspectives. So let's talk about Ginny and Georgia. My name is Angie Solly. I'm here with Dr. Nikki. We're here every week to talk about this. Yeah. So glad you're here. Nikki, what's up? Well, no, I I just wanted to say something like that's so important because you talk about your stomach turning and I really appreciate. And I think that us as parents and moms sometimes have to like be present for things that turn our stomach, like what our kids are watching, what they're doing, what their life's like, like there is a way in which it feels so heart wrenching. And I just, have this experience where I'm watching my daughter who's on this national tour on stage and it's hard and it's kind of heart-wrenching to watch all the worry and the anxiety and the fear and whatever, but to show up for it and to stay present for it and to also not completely make it your own, to, you know, kind of remove yourself from your own feelings about it and understand that there's a another person involved in watching it or another person involved in all the feelings related to it. So if you can show up, you know, watching a show that your kids are watching and be present for it, whether you like it or not, or do anything and be present for it, whether you like it or not, go to the concert that your kid wants to go to, even if you can't stand that band or just stuff like that. Like, I think it just, it carries a lot of weight to do something in spite of the fact that it's hard for you to do. What do you think Mm -hmm. about that, Angie? Yeah, so true. And whether you want to or not, that's the the what happens as parents, right? Like we we're just facing things that maybe we're not ready for. Maybe we have a different opinion from our kid. Nobody's gonna agree all the time. So you're always gonna be looking at. I think one thing or another that your kid is doing or a choice they're making or a relationship that they have or something which you see something differently from them and yeah kind of got to face it whether you want to or not yeah I think also if something is triggering you or making you feel that bad it's a really great opportunity to kind of look at what happened to you during that time or the messages that were coming at you because there are things that are clearly upsetting Angie about this that don't upset me in the same way, given my upbringing and whatever happened for me. And it's not a right or wrong, but I always say the quickest way to your early childhood is to have children. And if you're in the middle of something that feels so incredible, incredibly unbearable, then you have to assume that something happened, even if you can't remember what it is. And I don't think it even matters if you remember what it is or not, because we're kind of all distorting our early realities anyway. 
And if you watch your kids share back whatever it was they think you said and you didn't say, then you know everything's getting distorted on some level. But just as a, as an inroad, as a really hopefully helpful door to go back to those places in your early childhood that just felt really hard or where you were disrespected or where people weren't listening or whatever it was, but, but you will head back there and rest assured that if you are feeling strong feelings about that particular time, then something was going on. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And I think what I, I can't think of any, um, personal moment, but I do think, I do feel this show. I think I said on the last time talking about, I've like, we're back in 1984. It just feels like so sexist. So like old school, like women can't do anything. Women are manipulative. Women have to fight against each other rather than like lift each other up. Um, and that was for sure a message I grew up with. Like I, I associate it with 1981 or, you know, something. And I think of 2020 as so much more empowering. So I'm so frustrated to kind of see that like elevated in this show this idea that you know like just putting on your heels is the way to get ahead in life and um yeah that kind of messaging is the what so irks me about this show or, or the the tiny skinny young girl in high school duct taping her thighs that was one thing that oh I was my like, god I was oh, gonna talk about this. that I feel yeah. like people are doing that still, like whether they're duct tape taping their thighs or whether they have some kind of eating disorder on both ends, mm -hmm. we're all kind of reacting from that place of, of what we need to do in order to be accepted or loved or whatever it is. I, I honestly don't think that we have come much further in terms of the sexism. I think that we're more aware of certain things and there are things that we might be willing to talk about more than others, but mm -hmm. it's not true across the board and it's not true for everybody, that's for sure. But I think that people are still doing this. So it's really interesting with the duct taping because I had never seen that before, had you? Um, I mean, I, I guess I think like I, we definitely use duct tape for like prom and stuff. That was your bra, but it was more like a fitted gown thing. Um, but not, I, I don't, I mean, I guess maybe people were wearing duct tape on a daily basis under their clothes, but I had, I've not. Yeah. I don't think my friends and I were doing that. I, well, I mean, you were saying you were doing it like for a bra or something like that. So that seems like yeah. a good way to not have to wear a bra because you're wearing something strapless. And I feel like that's very different than what this was being portrayed in the show to be. Yes. Well, yeah. It's her feeling bad about her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All the shame related to her yes. duct taping her legs as if. Now, is that any different than those crazy girdles that my mother was wearing or right. the spanks, and spanks that I which wear? are widely popular? Everyone loves spanks, yeah. Yeah, and they're totally spanking it. It's not like it's not like we're so evolved that I'm not sitting around putting on my spanks so that I don't have panty lines or or you know, that things are contoured or shaped more beautifully for me. Mm -hmm. I I I guess when she didn't. 
did it, I thought, oh, that's an interesting thing to do. But it was definitely her shame around it that made me think that this was absolutely a self-harming behavior on some level, mm-hmm. or at least a body dysmorphic behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And then, right. And her embarrassment when, when it came to truth or dare and she didn't want to show every reveal that she was wearing duct tape. It didn't feel like a joke. Like, look at me. I think, you know, I had duct tape on my thighs to make them look thinner or anything. It was more like run out of the room to avoid anyone knowing that I'm doing this kind of thing to kind of morph my body. And I want everyone to just think my thighs are slightly smaller. Right. So all the embarrassment and shame around it. I love what you just said. Like if she had just said, Hey, I got this new idea to duct tape my legs. I don't have to wear Spanx anymore or whatever it is. Duct tape's Mm -hmm. always available. Then I think the, the atmosphere of that and the message would seem different, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I I guess I think of Spanx as like, people are like, oh my God, help me get out of my Spanx. Or like, I don't know. I think Spanx are like popular the way they're marketed or something. Like it's some idea of like you wear them, but there's some aspect of like, that's cool. Or like, I love my Spanx instead of like, this is shameful. And I don't want anyone to know I'm wearing Spanx. And I hope everyone just thinks my body looks like that or I don't, I don't know. That was a pretty brilliant marketing tool on Spanx's part because there they are saying like, it's cool to wear Spanx, go and buy a pair and buy a pair out in the open. But there are so many things, especially about being women. I was just thinking about this that feels so embarrassing in some ways. Like when she went to go get plan B, like, and I think Mm -hmm. we're going a little bit further in the episode. Yeah you know, all the judgment related to the person selling it to her and that idea that her boyfriend was supposed to get it. Like she wasn't supposed to take responsibility herself. I mean, I think that you see Georgia who actually has figured out everything that she could possibly figure out given her situation in order to make her life a little bit better. And then she's kind of juxtaposed with Ginny who has really like her big, rebellion is the fact that she is super responsible, that she keeps to herself, that she tries to not make herself look feminine in that traditionally feminine way, or so it seems. So it's interesting to watch the, so is that like the rebellion that happens for parents that are absolutely wild and crazy? And they've got these very controlled kids who are taking responsibility and acting as I don't know I mean I wouldn't even say I would say that Jenny isn't responsible I mean she's smart she's clearly smart but she's still kind of doing all the dumb things and then I see her admiring her mom like she watches her mom put on the makeup and put on the dress and she's just kind of rolling her eyes like oh I wish she wouldn't do this but also how do I do that? There was the scene with the makeup, but she pointed out like my skin tone is not going to work with all these white girls makeup. And, um, and then it felt like less of a choice that Jenny was making, but more like, I don't know how to do that. Like I watched my mom and I wonder how does she do that? Or how does she have so much power? And it, 
feels to me like she admires those qualities and is like trying to figure it out. And then when she makes a mistake and like sleeps with that guy who uses her and just like walks out the door and she feels so abandoned, you know, she's like, oh, my mom had it right. It's power or passion from now on I'm going to choose and like get revenge. I see her as like wanting to follow her mom's footsteps, which I guess is what, which is part of what makes me cringe. Like I want Jenny to be her like independent character of like not following, (laughs) not admiring that. And then everyone kind of in admiration and Max always mentioning like your mom's so amazing and ever all the guys at the dance like your mom's super hot and Jenny's saying like I just don't want you to be around because she knows everyone's gonna comment on how like hot her mom is well does I mean it seems like most of the kids don't want their moms around anyway so whether it be because she's embarrassed because her mom is taking all the attention which is really like attention in a way that she doesn't quite have yet you know or mom is just like not understanding in another way or so I think I think this happens for us and young people while we're trying to in become independent and separate somewhat, you know, where our parents get embarrassing for us. Yes, definitely. Even under the best of circumstances. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think embarrassment of your parents is a bad thing or at all, but the, um, yeah, just the idea that Jenny kind of is, I don't know, admiring of her mom to me is, but I, I want her to be less like, (laughs) But I think there are so many things to admire about Georgia, which is really, yeah. really interesting because she she is. And, and I think that that is true for the state of women, like, you know, where we don't get paid the same, where we are thought badly about because we have children and we won't be able to work in quite the same way or we're taking care of them or whatever it is like women really always got the value of the dollar based on their looks at least Mm -hmm. in this particular society and so she really figured out because she's really smart too without the you know without the the luck or or the resources to have an education in a traditional way but she's right. trying to figure out every way that she could promote her smart daughter who she absolutely adores and mm-hmm. this is what she could figure out but and and i think all of us are constantly watching our parents for cues about how to react and how to live a life so i think the responsibility we have is so tremendous but she's just figuring it out. She eventually, from the way it looks, will come to some happy medium with it because I think probably all the messages are important to consider and then decide if you're going to keep that message or not. But she's always really sticking up for the oppressed and the marginalized, especially her as a mixed race child, thinking about that. And she had to think about that outside of Georgia, who is really not paying any attention to the fact that Jenny is considered black, especially in a racist country that mm-hmm. that we live in, that's for sure. You know, yeah. now being in that, that, that very, very like racially divided town. Um, Wellsbury. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. So the other thing I wrote down about this is like the 
I, I, I really like Max. I like that character, Max, that she's like funky and just seems to say exactly what she's thinking. And some, sh- she, you know, says the wrong thing or says offensive things and kind of puts her foot in her mouth and then um, apologizes if she notices it and just kind of had that crush on the girl. She couldn't, wasn't quite sure she was vulnerable. She told her straight up, Hey, I really like you. She thought everything was going to be weird after they kissed. And the girl was really mature. I thought the response was so mature. I liked this scene of saying like, Hey, I think you are the coolest person in the world. And actually, if we were a couple, we would be incredible and look so cute together. It was so thoughtful to say that the kind things and also say, but this isn't going to work. This isn't me. This isn't my relationship. Max was still heartbroken. So I like the idea that you can have that embarrassing moment. You still feel awful if, even if it goes the best possible way with someone being as kind as possible, that they're still rejecting you. Um, But then she finds this other person. So I think Max is like, she's encouraging. She likes Jenny for who she is. She's willing to cut out the other friends for being mean and, um, you know, stick with Jenny. So I think I like her character so far. Yeah. I, I mean, I like that she throws it all out there for love and she really is giving herself an opportunity to love more and to be vulnerable there. I love that about her she's a bit of a, a, a ticking time bomb. So you never know when she's going to turn on who. So, so I love her and I'm, I'm a little, a little wary of her. That's for sure. Yeah. She, but she, I get that sense too. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> but she does take on Jenny, which I really appreciate. And Jenny hadn't had any friends before. Jenny really hadn't allowed herself to open up and and get to know people too much maybe because she wasn't in a place long enough or she always felt like the outsider or mm-hmm. you know there are lots of secrets in that family that you, that you don't necessarily want people to know and so right. if you don't make a lot of connections then you don't have to share a lot of secrets that's for sure yeah. like everyone will come up with their own secrets but but the thing about max i i really love is that it's that you have to put yourself in the game somehow and risk the vulnerability in order to get the reward and decide if if that's worth it for you or not. Because if you don't do it, then clearly you're just going to end up with whatever you end up with, just either by by living your life and something falls in your direction or nothing. And so you either end up with nothing or you end up with something in the future, but some heartbreak on the way. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely for the the heartbreak or the the difficulty or the learning. I would rather yeah. say that goes with trying things a lot, even if it comes with some humiliation or shame or whatever you think it is. But again, I consider it like a journey and learning and then you'll end up somewhere. But, but most of the people who do really well are constantly trying things and not succeeding at first, or at least not having the outcome that they're expecting. Yeah. Try something new. And I like that she's a character. She's funky. She's doing her own thing. She's clearly pretty independent and, then, but she's still this sort of typical um, queen bee, like click crowd, right? The girls all walk in with their t-shirts of their name, M-A-N-G. And, 
it's like we're so exclusive that we are the four of us and everyone else in the school can see that they're not in our club. They don't have the matching t-shirt, which I think is very relatable. I think that is that does happen at in high school, in the world of high school, these cliques and these girl groups, especially with girls of like matching t-shirts and like it's the four of us giggling and laughing and kind of wanting everyone else to look at us as like we're the click um but it's fun fun for Jenny to be in that because it feels like she hasn't been in that click before and she's kind of in awe of it and then this guy who likes her and wants to be her boyfriend and all and the girls being so encouraging like yeah he's so great and amazing and then we see that Jenny's also kind of thinking like my boyfriend thinks I'm disgusting and he doesn't act like he likes me because he's not kissing me or and then again I just I hate this theme of like all the girls doubting themselves and um and being cool and awesome and doubting themselves and hating themselves more right. than, I mean, I think I think like, this is a pretty typical theme of all of these shows we watch mm-hmm. and probably in general because people are not very direct about what they want or what they think or what they are asking. She could have easily asked Hunter, like, why aren't you kissing me? Like, is there something going on that? Yeah. And instead, you would rather not risk the possible rejection spoken outright than the rejection feeling that you already have, which is pretty fascinating because she really just could have said it and he would have told her he seems like a pretty stand up kind of guy. I like Hunter a lot. Yeah, he seems like a decent guy. And but then, yeah, she sends the pic of her in her bra and then just feels so vulnerable and no response. Uh, I think that text messages like shown on this show seem really realistic and relatable. That seems like a conversation that would actually be typed. Um, And the way that they all talk to each other and you can see like different group messages coming up and then the individual out of the group is messaging you personally, like, what about this? Should we wear the pajama bottoms tomorrow? And it's all happening. So I thought that was very relatable to any teenagers watching the show, possibly. I don't know, because I'm not a teenager, but then and then um, it's definitely relatable for the for this moment in history the teenagers now I don't know if you see your kids phones but I kind of like watch my children's phones in a way because they're always dinging there is like 10 group chats going on and everything is happening so fast and I know that my daughter in particular is answering those really quickly and Mm -hmm. kind of sussing out and deciding what's important and what's not important like it's a sorting process almost at every moment. And I'm not reading the messages, but the sounds and the bells and the lights are constant. And Mm -hmm. that's the way it feels. I don't know. Yes. And, and the whole culture that they've built around it, that I am not a part of because I'm not of that generation. Right. But that, the idea that if anyone's on red or you're on scene, and this is what happens in the show, if you can identify that someone has looked at that message and not responded that means completely something different than like their phone is off and they haven't looked at their phone in four hours so that message is unseen or that anyone would not look at their phone for four hours and be unseen can also (laughs) create a lot of 
like fear and anxiety of someone's ignoring me if somebody doesn't respond right away. Um, but that has definitely become part of youth life, right? There is an understanding in when to respond, how to respond, the timing of when you respond, when you send a private message and when you send a group message, all of it is. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. I love watching it all. And I'm so happy that they get to connect so strongly too. not saying that there aren't some difficulties with it, but I think that every generation, the generation before somehow thought that there were difficulties with our generation where we had something easy, that we were disrespectful, whatever it was. And I think that was true of every generation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. And it's interesting. I was thinking about this with Wellsbury because Wellsbury looks like a really beautiful, no problem town. And they talk about it. Is there such a thing as a problem free place? And we see with Marcus that actually he had a really hard year last year and he definitely goes through bouts of depression where things are difficult for him. Mm -hmm. And, and no, there isn't such a thing as a problem free place, even with money. So there's, this interesting class thing that happens in the show with them being poor or raised poor or coming from not much and moving into a different class and everybody else who seems to have been either raised middle or, or owning class or whatever it is. Right. Right. Georgia didn't go that way. And Jenny has, and like, but it's been kind of a fake (laughs) access to that life for Georgia the whole time. She's never felt like maybe she's part of that club. She's just trying to grasp at being part of that club. And yeah, the whole idea, the the auction and the idea that rich people will buy anything and it's true and they're bidding on the craziest things and spending all their money. Um the when you mentioned about Marcus, I wanted to go back to that point where he did have a bad year last year, and he said my was his best friend committed suicide or best friend died last year. We don't know how. Um, I was thinking like he's so terrible, and if this scenario had happened where he would he was such a creep and just kind of used Jenny and she thought something amazing was going to have or that he liked her she thought he liked her and was interested in her and admired her and then he just walked out the door and ignored her the next day at school and she went to go by plan b and he's just kind of been a jerk the whole time to me like this is sort of unforgivable like you don't take that guy back that's what i want to like scream at jenny like no this is not the guy (laughs) for you. And you can see that she just keeps getting drawn back into him. And then he does another like really jerky thing. And then he's like, Oh, this is my sad story. My best friend died. And I don't care what happened to him last year. At this point, I'm like, this is a terrible message. This is part of the reason I don't want to encourage anyone to watch Jenny and Georgia, right? I think you're like, he's so good looking. And look, he really is a nice guy underneath that. And I think it creates this idea of like the complete jerk. Uh, you can just hold on to hope that underneath there, he's going to be a really great guy and you can just give him another chance. And 
in my logical brain, I believe in giving people another chance and forgiving and everyone has their story. And then in your mommy in brain, brain <laughs> in your- of yes, in my mom brain of talking <laughs> to any 16 year old on the planet, I want to be like, don't talk to Marcus again, <laughs> get him out of your life and choose better for yourself. Um, yeah, no, I, I really, I, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I think that's true. And so I guess like, is, is that the dark, intriguing guy that somehow people are interested in? Do we want to save them? Like, what's going on there? So it's, is it that underpinning, like you said, that somehow they're good? It's still going on all the time. I see people in relationships that they absolutely should not be in, whether they be 16 year old, 16 year olds or 60 year olds, they mm-hmm. should not be in them. And still they've got this idea of either what's comfortable and what they know, or that they love somebody or that they can save somebody or whatever it is. But clearly people are in relationships and it's not only, maybe it all began in that teenage hood or watching what the adults were doing. I don't know. But I was thinking about that because there was something where Hunter is friends with Press, who was such a jerk. Yes. And Press was really good to him while Hunter was on Adderall or going yes. through a hard time. He said he went through a dark phase. Yeah. So do we continue to be friends with people who are jerks because they were good to us once? Because I hear so many people talk about being friends with somebody who they can't stand because they believe that they have a good heart or they know that they'll do anything for them if they need them. I don't know what the anything is, but I see this all the time. And there are definitely people that I adore who are not the nicest people or maybe Mm -hmm. the most triggering for other people. I don't know. Yeah. But if you really think that, that a person is a jerk though, like really unkind, like bad to women or, you know, whatever, do you stay friends with them or not? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I think you're right. Like this, this, if we can learn something from watching a show and having these discussions, right, that's it. You look at your relationships and you think, what do I love about this person? Why do, why do I continue this friendship or this romantic relationship or this interaction with them? do how do I support them how do they support me we can check in and look at our relationships and I think that you're right so many people of course in the world that's just a human thing that you end up in a relationship with someone and you're maybe I don't know hoping to change them or you're in it because it's comfortable and then in this situation where it's Jenny's situation where she meets that guy he's an absolute (laughs) jerk to her he throws her out like trash, um, you know, two or three times in a row, I just want to be, there's nothing there. Like if the relationship starts that way, then you don't continue the relationship. You don't say like, maybe he's a nice guy under there. And I think the way the show presents it, there's this nice guy is obviously Hunter. He's Mr. Nice Guy. Everyone approves. He, he does the right things or says the or treats Jenny with kindness and respect and they have and has genuine questions for her and interest in her and they talk about being geeks when they were younger and laugh together and then there's this jerk and she's continuing to talk to him and kind of flirt with him and he makes fun of her hair when her hair gets wet you know all this 
stuff that I just hope that no one watching would think when there's a nice person in my life and then there's also a super jerk that I just met I'll just keep hanging out with the super jerk (laughs) that's so funny but the other part is that just because there's a nice person if you don't think there's either an attraction or a whatever to move forward then you don't have to be with that nice person Person. That's true. That's such a good point, Nikki, because I feel that too. I don't feel like she has a great compulsion that she is drawn towards Hunter at all. He seems kind of nice, but it se- seems much more that her friends are like, yeah, Hunter's going to be there. Go with Hunter more than, sh- and she's kind of like, oh, okay. I guess this is kind of fun to have this nice guy around. Um, a popular guy. But I think for Ginny, this is all new, like a group of friends, a yes. guy interested in her. This is all completely new. So she's kind of, again, figuring out the lay of the land with this all. But also not only this guy interested in her, but a guy that she does find attractive or somehow interesting to her is also mm-hmm. interested in her in some way. Now, yeah. that that women and girls often will confuse sex with something more and it gets confusing. So mm-hmm. I think for the guys to kind of remember that, that, that this could get confusing at times and for the girls and, um, and still you're hoping for something more than whatever that might be on the surface or that something mm-hmm. will change, but it, I think this yeah. is all new for Jenny. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. She's clearly just, it does feel like in the show, like she's figuring this all out for the first time and, and confused, not, not sure what to do, how to make these decisions and, and what to do about it in all of it, in friendships in relationships in I don't know, be the being part of the popular crowd, having fun at the, overnight party at the school all of it she's just figuring out being embarrassed by her mom (laughs) this thing about the popular crowd is so interesting because you were like you said something about that they just made a decision and then they got the shirts and then they walked together and I think that all of us can make that decision about our friends and our friendships that we are the popular people. And I was just doing that. So I'm like 58 years old and I never considered myself part of the popular crowd, but I'm working in a small hospital in Alaska and I'm with this group of women and I just decided that I was going to love them more and we were going to have so much fun and we were popular. I just made this decision and I gave us a name because we're in the mountain office and I called us the mountain girls. And all of a sudden, we had become these popular people within the organization we work for because we just included each other a lot and liked each other a lot. So mm-hmm. I think everybody has this opportunity to do that. It doesn't, one is not exclusive from the other. You can have that opportunity with your group of friends. Yeah, I think that is that is a good point. And I, th- I the clients I talk to, the teenagers I talk to, we talk about like where does that where does confidence come from or um, popularity come from or something. And we and most people will say that depends on if other people like you. It depends on outside factors. It depends on wearing the right clothes or something. And then. We talk about like, what about those people who walk into school and just 
feel that like they're the most confident. They just speak up. They have, and maybe everyone else is rolling their eyes at them and thinking like, geez, but they, they feel complete confidence no matter what, like they're enjoying themselves. So um, maybe it doesn't come from the outside. So the character I usually point to is like Napoleon Dynamite, who walks into school and he's having a great time and he's friends with Pedro and he does not think of himself as like insecure in any way, but it's not that the rest of the school thinks he's Mr. Amazing, cool, popular guy. He just likes who he is. I love that example because somehow we, we believe that they don't know that they're kind of a geek and that there's something wrong with that. But I kind of like when people actually don't decide something about themselves based on what other people are thinking about them. Mm -hmm. I I think that's pretty awesome. I I haven't watched Napoleon Dynamite in a long time, but I think I'm going to watch it again. We should do like an extra episode for Napoleon Dynamite. I love Napoleon Dynamite. It's I would love serious. you to do that episode. I'll watch it yes. and do it with you or something. Okay, like that. yeah. Let's but um anything else about Ginny and Georgia? W- was this a little better for you than the first two episodes or I mean, maybe like I think there are fun aspects to the show. I don't I think it's entertaining. I can see how people would watch it. Yeah, I just I wish there was a lot more meat and substance and layers and strength to the women like even the wellsbury moms i hate that whole concept everybody's competing everybody's snooty they're the idea of the moms everyone's stupid i we just don't see clever powerful women i like the one woman she's friends with who's married to the deaf guy is clearly cool and genuine but she's also like Oh, what? I didn't know. I didn't know about that. What about this? Um, I want more. I want some strong, strong, proud, like confident women in there too. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think they're, they're layering and yeah. they're coming into their own, especially within these new situations. So I, think that you will probably be pleasantly surprised okay. with the strength that you might find in these women. All right. Because I, I, I actually, I do think of them as strong. I, th- I think that they're surviving at the moment. And I think eventually they're going to be out of survival mode and they'll have to figure some things out. Uh-huh. Right. Yes. Okay. I, I think this is a wrap. Thanks for talking. All right. Well, this was great, everybody. If you want to work with us, please see the show notes. You can get in touch with me or Angie. We can totally make your conversations with your teens so enjoyable and so fun. And you will definitely have your first conversation, which will be amazing because probably up to this point, you might not think that either you've had a real conversation or the ability to really know something or having a conversation without eyes being rolled at you. So I I think that this is, this is going to be great. (laughs) Bye everybody. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun and yeah, we're here. We're here to make it more fun, right? Like we're here to have those conversations and help you have better conversations with your kids. Excellent. Bye everybody. Thanks.
If you want to really learn how to have the most meaningful, fun, connected conversations with your teenagers, get in touch with us and see if it makes sense to work together. You will stop future generational trauma as well as really decrease the incidence of high-risk behaviors just by your strong and close connection. All right, speak to you soon.